I'm back. What's going on? Welcome to another episode of the Mike Janella Show. I'm Mike. Obviously, this is my 41st podcast episode. Won't be my last. I try to come at you guys every week with somebody new and awesome to talk to about their incredible life and world. Last week, though, took a break because I was finishing the drive back from California and was just a million things happening in life. So my bad on that. But I wanted to come back uh, strong this week and uh, literally because of that, I have an amazing guest, a strong woman. It's Mama Lou, Lindsay Lindbergh. Lindsay, what's going on? Hi, good to talk to you. Oh, it's fantastic to talk to you. Yes, Lindsay, a professional strong woman. And uh, I've, I've known you, Lindsay. We've been uh, sort of Facebook friends after we met a couple of years ago uh, as you were breaking some Guinness World Records uh, attempts that I was lucky enough to judge there for you. But I was telling you before we recorded... I saw, I was watching the Grammys this past week, and James Corden was hosting for CBS, and you were just on his show like two weeks ago, so it all kind of came back in my head, like, oh, I got to talk to her. I haven't talked to her in a while. She'd be great for the podcast, so thanks for taking the time. I appreciate it. Yeah, cool. Thanks for thinking of me. So uh, like I say, this is a show about talking to people who do really cool things and how they got there and kind of what the life of, uh, in your case, a traveling strong woman and uh, basically circus performer is but before we get to all that the thing i start off every episode with is asking the guests what the best thing that happened to them in the last week is so Lindsay, the last seven days what's the best thing that's happened to you um the thing that i gave myself an internal high five for was just yesterday i got an email asked to be on a panel for entertainment um and and that it's been a goal of mine for the last five years to finally make it onto this specific panel and to be seen as a subject matter expert uh for myself so so in the last two weeks, that is my amazing moment. Wow, it's very cool. A panel like for, for what? For a specific uh, place or a convention or something? What's, uh, what's this going to be? Um, well, there's a group that I belong to called ILEA, and it's for special event professionals. And um, so my, my second life world after being a professional strong woman who tours the world for 15 years is that I ended up opening up my own entertainment agency uh, for fellow weirdos like me because, you know, you can't can't expect to tear telephone books in half for the next 50 years as they become more and more extinct. And yeah, that's a, that's a funny part of the business. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, so I tried to find something that um, combined all of my skills and my knowledge base and to find something that was a little bit more sustainable as I look forward into my the rest of my life, my second life. That's smart. And see, bronze and brain, that's the perfect combination for, for a long career. So that's great. Um, so g- give us some background, yeah. though. What, you, know, you mentioned 15 years now with a strong woman. And uh, I mean, you've been on, like I mentioned, uh, on the Late Late Show with James Corden. And how was that actually, by the way? Because I saw that clip and that seemed like a lot of fun. Tell us real quickly how that was with, uh, with James a couple weeks ago. Yeah, that was an amazing experience. I I like that when you wake up in the morning, you never know what phone call you're going to get and where it's going to lead you. But um, getting the call for James Corden, honestly, he was as lovely and wonderful and charming as you see him on TV. He seems so nice. um, He seems so cool. Yeah, it was a great experience. And I've done a lot of TV and I know that, you know, sometimes you you don't know what you've just bargained for, but yeah. that was such a fantastic experience to be on his show. All the rest of the guests were fun and they have great skills and then James Corden was just such a treat. Great yes. highlight. It was awesome. Yeah, and if you you look up the clip, uh just Google was it human uh, or best bar tricks, I think, right, on the late late show. 
and you were there yeah. uh, rolling up frying pans as part of the uh, the segment. So it was awesome. <laughs> so, but that like that's your life, Lindsay, right? Like you roll up frying pans and you crush apples with your biceps and you tear phone books in half. So um, obviously, strong woman is kind of the the catch all phrase for all that that you do. But like you literally ran away to join the circus, basically. You know, as a young adult, how do you describe your life to people, your career? You know, when, when people ask you what what you do, how do you answer that? Um, you know, I actually, a lot of people, when they find out I'm a professional strong woman, it, first of all, they're shocked because they're like, I didn't even know that was an option. My guidance counselor forgot to tell me about that one. <laughs> um, and so they say, how did you end up doing that? And my answer usually is that if you say yes to all the wonderful and bizarre possibilities that life offers, sometimes you end up being a world touring Guinness world record breaking professional strong woman. <laughs> so, um, I think it comes down to not being afraid of trying something um, that is a weirder possibility or being brave enough to leave the job that you know is not where your passion is. And you might not know exactly what the end goal is or, or you know, you don't have to have the finish line in mind, but you just have to be ready to go on the adventure and be willing to open yourself up to the experience of finding your, your dream job, your bliss, what, you know, what you were made to do in life. Because you, this wasn't something you, you know, started doing when you were a kid. I mean, you, you got your college degree, you were working in finance, right? In, in New York before you embarked on this. So this was really a hard left turn for you lifestyle wise. Yeah, it definitely was. I was always a performer, but it was something that I had to do as a hobby because, you know, obviously you've got to find a way to pay rent. And I put myself through college and had worked, yeah, at, in a, a high-rise financial company in New York City, right there at Rockefeller Center for three years. And, and I was on a really great path to just keep going in that direction, being promoted. And 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 it hit me that, that if I didn't get out soon, that was going to be the last of it. And I would I would settle down into the comfort of daily life, um, having a cool job in, in New York City. And um, and I just decided that if I didn't go out and live a great story right now, that I would regret it one day. And so I saved up about $10,000 and went in a direction. And I think that's an important thing. I think a lot of young people, millennials especially, um, take very seriously that they have to know where that road is going because they don't want to mess up. But I think just having a trajectory is the most important thing you can do. Um, just having that push inside you that's willing to go and not, again, not knowing what the destination is. Because uh, for me, I ran away and I decided I wanted to be an aerialist and I decided I was going to Canada. I was going to train in Montreal. And it was by going on that journey and training as an aerialist that I realized that that wasn't really what I was passionate about. And then I had to be brave enough to put that dream down and not feel like I had to be married to it because I had initially um, told people that that's what I was doing, you know? Um, and so it was while I was living and working in Montreal and training to be a trapeze artist that, that I started doing strong woman stunts on the street because I was already really strong from, you know, hanging on and climbing up 50 foot silks. And it was then that I thought, well, you know, I need something 
a way to go and perform and, and make a little money on the street to help me pay my rent when I'm living in this country. And so I was like, well, you know, what, what can I do that would get someone to stop and maybe give me $5? And I was like, you know what? If I saw a lady rip a phone book, I would think that was pretty cool. So <laughs> it, was, it was a little bit of necessity um, out of just having having some way to bring some money in. And uh, oh, and also I thought, well, gosh, if I'm going to go out there and be collecting money and I'm just a single lady on the street, I got to protect my money from those from the thugs and the street folks. So I thought if I was a strong woman, they would probably be too scared to mess with me. So I had. <laughs> right, exactly. If you were just one of those robots, like the bronze uh, spray painted robots, then they can think they could take advantage of you. But if you're tearing phone books yeah. in half, I would think twice about taking from your, your jar, that's for sure. Exactly, exactly. And so I was just doing, I don't know, I was just coming up with it. It was all fun and it, there was no pressure. And I would go into, you know, the Home Depot hardware store and I would literally walk around and go, what can I break? <laughs> what can I hang from? What can I smash? And yeah, the, the people who work there got a lot of kicks out of watching me. Well, try I'm sure things. most of the customers they deal with, it's how do I build something that's going to last forever in my house? And you come in, what can I break? Uh, you know, every single time I, I stop by <laughs> in the store. Um, I mean, I love that, that whole like philosophy that even if you don't have a destination, you've got to be open for a journey. Uh, and wherever it takes you, that's, that's where you got to go. And this has obviously led you. It's worked out for you. And I think a lot of that, you know, necessity is the mother of invention kind of thing that you, you've been sort of a person that's been the lifelong example of. Um, I, I want to ask, well, you know what, let's say, because I want to talk about kind of how now that you've gotten to this point or points along the way, the sort of day-to-day, -day, how do you make it work? But you've talked about some of the things you already do, uh, like the phone book tearing and all that kind of stuff. So what was that? So I want to ask you about those specific moves. Like how do you... How did you train for this? Like how long did it take you before you could tear your first phone book in half? Do you do regular weightlifting or do you just train specifically for moves you know you're going to do as a performer? Um, like, you know, a basketball player is going to practice basketball a lot, but they'll also do your typical like bench press in the gym or bicep curls, that kind of stuff. So how do you mm -hmm. like what's your life training to do these actual moves and things you do? Well, when I first started, because I was training to be an aerialist five days a week, I didn't need need to do any extra exercises. What I needed to do was specifically work on my stunts mm -hmm. um, because to rip a phone book in half, you have to be strong, but you also build up these weird finger muscles, these weird grip muscles. Um, and so I was training quite a bit to be able to do my stunts. And it took me six months before I could actually rip a full-size telephone book in half and I was just so proud and excited that I got out the duct tape and I taped the two halves to the wall and I took a picture and I called my mom and I was like mama did it <laughs> nice. I'm a success yeah she's like you, you quit your job in finance you're not a success <laughs> <laughs> but I ripped this phone book in half mom that's what we've been working toward this whole time <laughs> look at me I'm living the dream yeah <laughs> um um yeah. So originally I started by just focusing on being able to nail those stunts because, you know, you're going out onto the street and you're performing for strangers. And that sure is a trial by fire. There are so many times <clears throat> when I embarrassed myself, like <laughs> in front of the, but the best part is, is they're strangers. And, um, gosh, I remember my roommate at the time in Montreal came down and watched me do a performance and <laughs> went back at the house. He said, I have so much respect for you because 
man, if I did what you just did, I would never leave the house again. And yet you get up every morning and you go back out. That's part of the gig. If you don't get out there every day, it's not going to work for you. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and after um, a number of years, I heard about Angela Duckworth and her book, Grit. And that's when I kind of put two and two together, that that is one of those magical components that it takes is is this idea of grit, that you're not going to succeed right away. It, anything that's worthwhile, you're going to have to work for. And you don't get it the first time you try, because then it wouldn't be, it wouldn't have that same satisfaction when you get it. But Having the element of grit that no matter how embarrassed you are, no matter how much you fail, you get up in the morning and you go back out. You don't lose your self, sense of self and you go back out and you try some more. That's awesome. So you obviously have done – you've expanded this to have a lot of different you know, things that you can do. But what uh, – let's say someone just wants to learn enough to do at like a party trick or something – uh, the frying pan rolling or like crushing an apple with the bicep. Like what are some, what are some insider tips you can give for someone that just wants to pick up one thing that you do and they want to practice it and just have that, like what's some behind the scenes, uh, you know, experience expertise you can offer to someone trying to pick up one of your moves to just add to their sort of party trick resume. Sure. Well, let's take crushing apples. Cause I think that's a fantastic party trick. Yeah. And, and everyone's, everyone's got go. an apple. Yeah. Everybody's got an apple and everybody's got an arm. So um, I love this one. But I'll tell you, so back in that time when I was in Montreal and I decided I was going to start crushing apples, I went to the grocery store and I bought every single apple that they carry. And I realized that there is a huge difference in, in the variety of apple and how it's going to react to being smashed in your arm. So here's some some insider tips I can tell you. Number one do not go for the green apples. They are deadly. Um, green Ooh. apples are, yeah, they're underripe and they're very hard and dense and crisp. And so when you think about how it feels when you bite into it with your teeth, imagine trying to smash that with your arm. So green apples are deadly. Stay away. Um, I will tell you that my preferred apple is a gala apple, and I like them actually not because they're the easiest, but because they have the biggest explosion factor. You're so a performer. You're a showwoman. That's important is the yeah, flair. Exactly, exactly. So those are the apples that are going to look the best on TV. They look like your beautiful, red, wonderful, perfect apple, and then when it pops, it actually tends to break into two pieces with a thousand other pieces of explosion. So those are my favorite. But I'd say if you're a beginner, I would start with a Red Delicious. Um, that's going to be a little bit more mealy. It's going to be big and mealy. So I'd go for that. All right. So practice beginners, the Red Delicious and your Gala Reds. But avoid the greens at all costs if you're trying to become an apple <laughs> crusher with your biceps. I love it. Uh, I yeah. feel like that's the one big takeaway from this whole conversation we're going to have. That's what people are going to take and start practicing now when they get back home. Um, <laughs> so, so at what point, so now let's talk a little bit more bigger picture, I guess. So like at what point you go from, you know, you're training to be an aerialist and then you're sort of just paying the rent or, or doing these things on the side and you're learning, you know what, that's the kind of direction I want to go. So at what point did you decide to make a career out of this? Like, do you get, do you get an agent? Do you book a, a residency somewhere? Like, is it all word of mouth? How do you go from just doing this as a hobby or as a supporting part of your career to actually making this performing your number one thing? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, 
I think it's social proofing. Um, it's when, you know, I was just doing it kind of as a lark and a way to make, you know, a couple hundred bucks a day. But it was when I had a lot of fathers come up to me and shake my hand after the show and they would say, my little girl here thinks you're fantastic and she wants to grow up and be just like you. And I just want to say as a dad, thank you for being a positive female role model. And that really touched me. And I realized that there was something in our society that was missing and that what I was doing resonated. Um, and the performers that I would meet would get so excited about the fact that there was something unique, um, that I was a female with a really strong character that, um, was a good representation of kind of what modern women are today. And so I think though, the way that I knew that there was, that I should take this to the next level was because I was getting that kind of, that social proof. Um, it's the same thing. So now I'm super into business um, and I look at things a little bit differently, but I realize it's the same thing as taking your initial product idea, launching it, and then trying to find out if the customers are there, if you're right about that and you have to come back and then reevaluate, are you, are you pitching the right product to the right people? And is there a market for it? And that's what I realized is there was definitely a market for Mama Lou. At the time I was being myself and I was really, um, girl power, um, positive body image issues. And I was blogging about all of these things that were just close and dear to my heart. And that's when I found that there was, as an audience for it. That's when the media started picking up on me. Um, the first media inquiry I got was um, from More Magazine, which is an amazing woman's magazine, for the distinguished woman of, of a certain age. And I was asked to be on their very first fierce list. They picked 50 women in, in I, don't, I think it was just American culture generally, um, who were the embodiment of fierce. And Mama Lou got placed alongside of Michelle Obama and Oprah Winfrey and Ariana Huffington and Lady Gaga. And it, that's <laughs> good company so, to be with. That's good company to be with. Holy moly. Yeah. <laughs> I was humbled and excited. And I had quotes in the magazine article and they made me a little logo. And yeah. And I think that's when, when I realized there was something there that could grow and that could be shared with the world. So that's, that's how I knew that, that there was something there to, there to work with. So if there's someone listening right now that has a, a talent, whether it's playing guitar that they can take on the street or they're juggling or something that they can do that's different and unique, what would be your biggest tip, your biggest advice for them taking it from, uh, I'm putting this out there and then maybe they do get that social proof and they're like, you know what, people are responding to this. What's the biggest tip you would give for them to practically to then take it to that next level? Hmm. Uh, I would say, you know, nowadays, social media, you have to have a presence because if people like you, they're going to want to find you online and fan follow you or check out your website or buy your CD. And um, I think that is the biggest tip and make friends with people. It's all about connections these days. So somebody has a connection to this fair festival that you probably should be a part of and, you know, make friends with everybody and do your best to say yes to the opportunities as they arise, because the right path will present itself to you and you just have to go along on the ride. 
I love it. Keep the journey going, like you said earlier. That's, uh, I mean, that's something that's a lifelong commitment. So uh, I dig it. So not, you, let's talk about you then. You've made it to this point in your life and your career. What's, uh, what is a typical month? How often are you touring? When are you doing TV shows? How often do you get to just hang at home? You're doing this side business now and, you're, and you're, all these panels you're on and stuff. So I'm sure there's no typical day or week or month. But what is a, you know, a couple of weeks in your life like? What's, what's that whirlwind like? Describe it to me. <laughs> it is a whirlwind, that's for sure. <laughs> I realized how lucky I had it and how good and cush when I was just a performer. <laughs> ah, I'm sure, yeah. You never know what you uh, got till it's gone, right? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So um, it was about, I guess it was about five years ago now that um, I had moved to a new city, ended up, um, during my move day, ended up getting my foot hurt it kind of got crushed in the move and I ended up in a in like a boot cast and had to perform my entire summer's worth of shows with this giant boot <laughs> it was hilarious. but that's when I realized that I wasn't um I wasn't I could that my body is what made me money and that if if that went away, if I dislocate an elbow by, you know, crushing too many apples, if I get tendonitis that makes it so I can't rip telephone books enough, I needed to have something else going that could sustain me and bring in rent money. Mm -hmm. And so I decided to go ahead and open up shop and I started Austin Oddities and Entertainment, which has become a national performance agency and um, production house, which has been amazing. So I started stepping away from Amalu more and more, and I actually, because I still believe in what it, what she does, and I don't want that to die, I ended up finding um, a protege. And so I've been training uh, my the next generation of strong woman. And I found a woman in New York City who came to me. She said, "I found out about Mamalu. I absolutely adore her. Would you consider teaching me?" how to do your show. And so I've been training a woman named Becca and she is now part of the Lou crew and she is Becca Lou and we're training her to be, um, to take over the shows and do what I do. So then I focus more on booking and acts and finding good spots for really talented people to make more money. Um, and so then my day is it's emails, it's conversations with designers to build amazing new props. It's conversations with event planners as we come up with crazy ideas for the next, um, uh, gosh, there's a robot, a kid's robot uh, convention that's happening in Houston. And I got tapped to help bring in some cool, um, like futuristic entertainment for that. Um, I literally sew costumes in my shop that's located right behind my office. Um, so I'm running around town and I'm just, you know, all the hats. It's basically all the hats. And then every once in a while, I still get calls from the James Corden show to go and be on TV. And so I pack my bag and I fly out to LA and I get to be, you know, CD list celebrity for a couple of days. And then I <laughs> don't short, don't short change yourself. That's the big time. That's late night network TV. I know, I know, I know, and it's hilarious because as I've, you know, started to transition, gosh, I, I trained those stunts less and less, but, you know, after 15 years, you just, 
you just know you can do it. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I, I, it, like, I, it's akin to me to sort of, you know, I'm a, I'm a pro wrestling fan, and they had these guys that were great, like, back in the day, and they come back for, like, the one or two matches a year, and they still got it, but, you know, they have so many million other things going on, and it's just funny to kind of see you get back in the saddle, even as you're doing all this other behind-the-scenes stuff um, this entire time. I love that name, by the way, the, the Lou Crew. That's, like, that's hashtagable, that's merchandisable, that's perfect. I like that a lot. Yeah, and you know, I love the idea that I keep telling little girls, like and and little boys, that all you have to do is use your name and add Lou to it when you need a little extra like power inside you, and then now you're part of the Lou crew. So I like it. It's like, you know, like a you could be part of the Lou crew. Yeah. Mike, yeah, yeah, Mikey, Mikey Lou, that would be my name. I just got to get that, that would be it. Got to get that embroidered <laughs> on some shirts now. That's awesome. Um, so, <laughs> so I mean, it sounds like life's good. You now have a protege, and obviously, you're doing all this, you know, great stuff. And you don't have to get into specifics or anything, but I mean, like you said, you were on a track, a very potentially lucrative, if not really boring one, in your past life. Um, you know, financially working in that district, I'm assuming there's no regret at all, right? This has been a hundred percent the right decision. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I think you know when when you're in the right spot, and and it's a very elusive kind of thing. But your your heart knows if you're where you're supposed to be, and you just have to tap into that and not not try to stick your fingers in your ear and go la 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 la. That's scary to not have the security or. Um, or to do what you think you're supposed to do or what society tells you or what your family would like you to do. And you have to just be brave enough to listen to your heart. And you know, you know what the right choice is. Um, so I definitely say be brave there. I love it. Now, part of your success, I'm sure over the years has been, and I was just looking up uh, Becca Lou now when you were mentioning her before, is I think sort of that juxtaposition, right? Like you're you're very, you know, if you don't mind me flattering you, a very attractive woman. We've met in person. I can verify that, you know, it, it translates from video. But you can also then roll <laughs> up a frying pan and, like, kick somebody's ass. And, like, it's a very cool juxtaposition for, like you say, these little girls who are looking up for role models that you can be. And I've read interviews that you've done before. You know, you call yourself very girly in your personal time that you can be both of those things. And it's not, you know, mutually exclusive. How much... How important would you say that was into playing into into forming your your character and eventually establishing your business, being able to kind of have both sides of the coin, so to speak? Yeah, I guess you're right. I don't like to choose, do I? <laughs> <laughs> and if yeah. you don't have to, then why would you, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I think I think people putting you into a box is one of the worst things, um, and that's what I've worked on in this character and I guess worked on is a silly thing because I haven't I haven't constructed it it's just the truth of who I am like I I do enjoy being able to crush an apple and I do enjoy making an apple pie later and I think it's super <laughs> important you know as a potential role model to make sure and share that with people and to say that you don't have to choose between being feminine and being a badass at the same time and I think that's what modern feminism is all about is like you get to decide how you define yourself you don't let somebody else tell you what the parameters of your box are. You get to be the sparkly um, snowflake that, that you want to be. Um, so that's, that's, I think, also why I became a good icon in a feminist way is because, you know, I didn't ask for permission ever. 
not not one time did I ask for permission to do what I was about to do. And um, and I think that's that's what is the essence of Mama Lou. So again, it's not a constructed thing. It really just is me. And I think, too, that's why I have not forced myself to choose between the two things. I am loving being a business owner. I'm finding such a thrill in in the excitement of just figuring it all out, participating in our economy, finding, you know, being a job creator. And every once in a while I feel bad. Like, oh, have I have I shortchanged Mama Lou? You know, is that something I owe to people? And then I have to stop and say, no. I don't owe it to anybody else to be anything specific. And if this is what's making me happy right now, that's wonderful. And I think it is a true feminist act to be a kick-ass businesswoman and, you know, a slightly attractive, strong woman who goes and appears on the James Corden show and a world record holder and, you know, just all of these things that uh, I get to decide what I'm going to be. Yeah, I think that that James Corden appearance, which we keep coming back to, and it's not like that's the only thing you've ever done. You've been on Steve Harvey and Today, and you were on To Tell the Truth on ABC earlier. But the Corden, the part I loved about that clip was you come out and you're in this like gorgeous dress, and you have like a, a shawl, like you're ready to go out for a night on the town, and then you're rolling up frying pans. And his reaction to that, it's that perfect juxtaposition that you can have it both at the same time. And I, I love that. And that was like one of my yeah. favorite things about that that whole clip and your your act in general. I, I think it's great. Can I tell you one thing that's really special to me about that specific um, piece of TV? Of course. Is that's, that's the first time I've ever not branded myself as Mama Lou when I'm doing those stunts. And so that was a really special time for me because I went out there as Lindsay. And it's it's my starting to give away that um, the persona and allow it to just be more me. And it's the first time I went out there. That's a Lindsay dress. That's a Lindsay shot. That is exactly how I do my hair. There was nothing fake and nothing put on about that. There was no persona um, and so that was a really special time for me. I felt the most vulnerable and the most uh, present than, oh. than I have in a long time. I did not know that was your first time sort of shedding the, the strength alter ego and just being you publicly. That's a, that's a big milestone. That's very momentous. Yeah, thanks. That's awesome. Oh, well, cool. Thanks for sharing and letting me know because that's, that's really cool now watching that in retrospect. Um, so I, I assume then, Lindsay, that uh, there may be not be any new – sort of strength tricks coming your way? You're kind of just happy being the Jedi master now and teaching the next generation? Or are there any new things that you're working on physically? Or is it all just mental into the business now for you? <laughs> um, let's see. There are some that I've been training a little bit, but I just I haven't nailed them. So I'm still in the training phase. Uh, one is smashing a soda can with my grip. A, a full unopened and one, I, I imagine, right? <laughs> a full unopened yeah, one, yeah. And cool. I had one summer where I was nailing it really good. There's a lot of excitement and anticipation in the summertime. It's fantastic to get covered in wet. <laughs> yeah, and like um, carbonated, sugary, uh, wet. Yeah, it's, it sounds yeah. lovely. <laughs> Kids love it. Yeah. Um, and then the other one is breaking out of handcuffs. And so that one I'm still, I can get it most of the time, but I'm still really working on nailing it every time. Um, so yeah, I still push myself and I still try to, um, set those, those milestones and goals for me. Yeah. Very cool. I dig it. 
Um, cool. We'll keep an eye on that on the soda cans and the handcuffs as those come to be. Um, and, uh, and that should be fun. And plus the rise of Beckaloo and all the amazing business stuff you have going on uh, as Lindsay now uh, should be very exciting. Um, Lindsay, I end every show with the fun five, which are five uh, quick fun questions designed for you and you alone. But first, one thing I love to offer all my guests is the chance to turn the tables you can ask me any one question if you so choose. You don't have to, but I like giving you the choice. So if you'd like, fire away. Yeah. Okay. So, Mike, I met you on the set of Guinness World Records, and I'm so fascinated by by all of the people who are adjudicators there, and I want to know – what is it like to put on that jacket and have to keep a straight face because you guys are the best at being kind of kind of these mean official judges, but you all have these hearts of gold underneath that I love. <laughs> I love your juxtaposition. I want to know what it felt like for you. Oh, well, I mean, as I'm sure you can relate sort of with all the costumes that you have, like for your Mama Lou character, when you put that jacket on, it does give you, it's like Superman's cape, you know, it's that extra sense of authority and austerity. And, you know, a lot of people that do that job have that in them. But once they put the jacket on, then it's like, all right, my serious business face now, uh, you know, it definitely adds a little bit of mystique and power to it. And um, I mean, that is, it's a fine line you have to walk in that job, right? Because A, you have to be, yes, uh, serious and all about the rules and all that stuff. But you also have people like you, like millions of others, who have been sometimes dedicating their whole lives to doing what they're doing now in front of you. So you have to also have that human element as well. And I think you know that, that organization is fantastic at getting people and helping train those people to walk that line where you're not just a robot, a yes or no robot, but you're also not someone that, oh, you have a good story, so we're going to let you do whatever you want. Um, it is a very uh, interesting gray area, but one that I think they master. And that was kind of my fun thing was learning people's stories and getting to talk to them and meet them. And, you know, before the lights go on, getting to hear about them like I did with you uh, back in the day. But then, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think people respect that once it's business time, it's business time. And I think uh, we're all adults here, uh, except when we're dealing with, you know, kid record breakers who are awesome in their own right. But everyone kind of understands and respects uh, the whole process. So uh, I mean, it, was, it was an incredible life and one that I definitely uh, miss at times because, uh, I mean, the stories and the experiences are are amazing. But yeah, you're right. It's very much a juxtaposition and a bit of a double life as well. So I think you can empathize. <laughs> you guys are my favorites. I absolutely adore all of the judicators. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a, it's a great group. It's a great group. Um, all right, Lindsay. Well, time now for the fun five. Uh, as I said, these are five questions designed for you and you alone. Uh, and they're quick, so you don't have to spend that much time on them, but feel free to answer as much as you'd like. So, number one, uh, I don't know why anybody would, because A, you're a strong badass, and B, you're like one of the nicest people ever, but has anyone ever tried to pick a fight with you or start a fight with you based on, on seeing you, any of your strong stuff over the years? Yes. <laughs> Do tell. I was at a conference and there was another woman there who was um, a log woman or, you know, I'm trying to think, lumberjacky type of woman okay. um, doing a performance. And she, I guess, felt kind of threatened by me walking around in my high heels and saying I was a strong woman. And she wanted to prove to me that she was 
an equal badass. And she came up and introduced herself to me and shook my hand and did that jerk move where she literally tried to crush my hand. And I was so, because I just was being a normal human. And right, <laughs> man, like what the hell? I just had my hand out like a normal handshake. And yeah, and she really hurt me. Um, and I had to go. I had to go away and have to figure out how to how to deal with that, how to deal with that machismo coming from this lady who should have been like a peer and a friend and somebody that we, you know, gosh, where, yeah, where guys, is the sisterhood in that? Yeah, you guys got to be looking out for each other just in the same industry. And like the fact she doesn't even respect that, like your hand is such a big part of your job and your livelihood at that point. Like you have to tear these phone books in half with a potentially broken, bruised hand. That puts you out of business. That, yes. That's not nice of her. It was like as jerk of a move as the person who came up and socked Houdini in the stomach. That's yeah. exactly what it felt like. Was like, Luckily, luckily you, you survived, whereas Houdini had a, a rougher fate. But um, <laughs> no, that's, that's terrible. Sorry, sorry to hear that. Well, that lumber Jill or whatever they're called, I hope if she's listening that she knows that that didn't slow you down, didn't stop you. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. So question number two. So the flip side of that. Uh, you've performed in a lot of places and I, you know, a lot of colleges and street corners where I'm sure a lot of people come up. How many dates have you ever been asked on after your routine? Like someone just loved what they saw and wanted to take you out to dinner sometime. <laughs> All the time. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, even now. Oh, every single time I go on television, I get I get date requests from many, many different cities, from different people in different countries. So I'm going to go ahead and say on record, guys, it, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. No. <laughs> selling yourself I appreciate so short. that you appreciate what I do, but a respectful you're cool would be a lot better than trying to get a date out of me. Yeah. Right. There that's... you go. So next time Lindsay's on TV, take notes. Um, those of you with romantic interests. Um, uh, so <laughs> question number three, and um, like with, with James Corden, I, he said, I think three or four times, shut the front door was his reaction to you uh, rolling up your frying pants. <laughs> what's, the, what's the weirdest thing someone's ever said to you after seeing you perform? Or what's the strangest reaction you've ever had? Oh. Hmm. I mean, it's always it's always some kind of incredulousness or um, shock or and I don't think I've ever had anything that goes so far beyond the normal uh, so, shock and awe. So no one's ever fainted because they couldn't comprehend what was happening or anything extreme like that. <laughs> no, nobody's done that. Right. I, a lot of times I get guys most of the time I get guys at the end and they want to pick up the phone book and check it out and try it themselves. And so I get a lot of machismo afterwards, but not <laughs> of course. Yeah. Hey, emas emasculation is, uh, is a widespread, uh, unfortunate phenomenon. So, uh, I, I can, I can understand where they're coming from. Um, all right. Question number four, uh, on one of your websites, I saw under additional skills in your about you section, you have uh, animation, singing, trapeze, juggling, and ukulele listed. What's the best song you can play on the ukulele, Lindsay? Oh my gosh! Well, I'm I'm pretty decent actually at the ukulele. Um, one of my favorite songs I'm really good at playing is um, "Dream a Little Dream of Me." But oh oh oh! Also, I have learned how to play "Eye of the Tiger," which is wow. just purely because I love it so much. Um, and also, one of the hardest songs I can play is "Toto Africa." 
that one's excellent as well. Great karaoke song too. So if you ever need someone to sing while you play, we can take this show on the road, <laughs> Lindsay. You and I can make this uh, a traveling, uh, traveling duo. You just let me know. Uh, all right, Lindsay, my last question for you, question number five in the fun five. Uh, we've alluded to it many times. And I think people know when you tear phone books in half, you can recycle the paper, throw them away, whatever. The apples, you can bake them into a pie like you do. You can eat the scraps. You can throw those away. They're biodegradable. But when you roll up these frying pans into burrito shapes, what happens to all of those frying pans? That's the one thing I've always wondered whenever you do that trick. Okay, there are two cool things that have happened in the past. Um, One, I did an 11-day fair in South Carolina. And after I was done, I just – it was 11 days, three shows a day. So I ended up with 33 frying pans at the end of the event. And I wanted to see what that looked like. So I kept them all and I put them all in a big old pile in my dressing room. And then another fellow performer saw that and said, I don't want you to get rid of those. I want to make something with them. And I said, okay, that sounds fantastic. So I sent him home with, with 33 frying pans <laughs> and he <laughs> took them back to his house he assembled and welded them into a lamp, and he made this absolutely crazy-looking um, strong woman lamp that has just frying pans coming out every single which way direction. And he sent it to me, and he called it the Mamalu lamp. That's and awesome. uh, I loved that. I loved that. And then, secondly, at a fair in Iowa, a kid who was living at the fair with his family, who was also working there big fan decided that he would take home my frying pan because I kept saying that's how I make omelets. I tell people I'm a very bad omelet maker, <laughs> but I found that if I can use my strong woman skills that I can find ways to help me make perfect omelets. And so I roll it up that way I don't have to flip them. And this kid took it home and he literally did put a bunch of oil, cooked his egg and got it onto the plate and he made his very own Mamalu omelet. Wow. So they are still usable. Someone has proven that even all rolled up, you can still use your, your frying pan uh, after <laughs> it's been mama lewified. Um, awesome. Lindsay, that's, that's some great stories that you've had, and I'm sure there are many more, uh, but I don't want to keep you forever after all these years of performing. Um, but tell the people, though, uh, plug whatever you want to plug, where they can find your new businesses, any social media, uh, any clips, websites. Uh, here's your chance. Let people know where they can find out more about you. Um, let's see. So it's strongwomanshow.com is the website. Um, Becca Lou is getting started. So if you want to support her, you can Google Becca Lou and I don't know what her website is exactly, but, um, my agency is called Austin Oddities and Entertainment and we have a fantastic Instagram you can follow. It's at austinoddities.com. Um, you can find Mama Lou, uh, at, at, ASW, oh, Mama Lou ASW. So um, that's American Strong Woman. And I have Twitter, uh, Facebook, and Snapchat. I'm the worst at these, though. <laughs> <laughs> but as you said, you have to have them. And no matter how much you hate them or are not good at it, you have to have that presence. That's 2017. You got It's got to be part of the gig. I know. <laughs> All right. Well, that's uh, Lindsay Lindbergh. Lindsay, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Um, stay on the line, and we'll uh, we'll chat after I wrap things up here. But it was a pleasure talking to you, and continued best of luck with everything. 
Thanks, Mike. Right back at you. Good luck with everything you've got going on as well. Thank you. And for you guys, thanks for listening. Also head to MikeJanella.com, and there I'll have links to all of those websites and stuff that Lindsay mentioned. You can also check out all previous episodes of my show and where to find me on social media if you feel like uh, checking out the, the amazingness of my daily life. And I said that very much with tongue planted firmly in cheek. You'll also find out information on the great outro music that you're hearing right now. Thanks again to Lindsay Lindbergh for joining us. And thanks to you for listening. We'll try and do better next time. See ya.